Hello, howdy, and hope you are well. This is Sean Coleman, and you are listening to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Um, I hope that you have been enjoying our uh, Grizzlies prospect profile series. I'm going to be honest. It's been one of the more fun series, either through writing or podcasting, that I've done since I've been covering the Grizzlies now for a little over two years. We're certainly going to continue it. I hope you've been enjoying it. I you know, it t- put a lot of you know pride and effort into it, and I hope that the uh, product that you're um, enjoying listening to certainly is is helping you get a better understanding of what's going on when it comes to potential prospects for the Grizzlies in the draft. But we're going to continue with that going into next week. Also have, you know, a few guests lined up who have knowledge on the draft as a whole and have agreed and, and look forward to coming on the show and talking with me. We'll have them on next week. We're going to take a bit of a break, though. At the end of this week, we're going to change it up. It's been there, there's some news that, you know, impacts some of the Grizzlies rivals that have, you know, come through. We're also going, you know, to discuss other, you know, facets of the offseason that will come into focus as more certainty is understood. In the first segment, we're going to get right to the recent news that came out. The Pelicans hiring of Stan Van Gundy. Going to talk about that, what it means for the Pelicans, how it impacts the Grizzlies, and in general, just look at the Southwest Division and, you know, the coaching, you know, situations that, that you know, really could impact the Grizzlies' main rivals. And in the second and third segment, you know, trades, I did a whole show on how the history of, on how the Grizzlies franchise history has been highly impacted by trades, but when it comes to the current Grizzlies roster, how could each asset make, you know, sense in trades? We're not going to get fantastical. We're going to stay realistic with what's there, but going to talk about how each asset on the Grizzlies roster could make a difference in trades or how they could be viewed as a trade chip to improve the present and future for the Grizzlies. Before we get too far into the show, I want to remind you of our sponsor, rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. I also want to remind you, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, the podcast wherever they're available, Stitcher, Spotify, the uh, podcast app on your iPhone. We ask that you listen, subscribe, review, let us know how you feel, let us know what you want to be discussed. We're always here to discuss what is relevant to our listeners' preferences. So Stan Van Gundy, he is the man that David Griffin feels will allow for the Pelicans to reach their desired level of of competitiveness, you know, here in the near future. And as as an initial reaction, I, I actually like the hire for the Pelicans. As a Grizzlies fan, I'm not too thrilled because I do think that Stan Van Gundy is the type of guy who could add value to what the Pelicans are trying to do in a variety of ways. For one, I think that it's just simple as this. Stan Van Gundy is a comfortable hire for a person like David Griffin who will make sure that Griffin's view for what the Pelican for the Pelicans future, you know, is implemented. And not only that, I think Van Gundy's experience and his perspective will add value to it. We see so many times, you know, in sports where you've got the head coach and you've got the general manager. We saw clashes here in Memphis between the front office and the coaching staff. These two sources clash in the overall direction even if these organizations are competitive, you know, they could be delayed or they could be impacted, you know, by those clashes and a major change happening. Well, I think that's what Griffin wanted to avoid with this hire. He wanted to bring in someone whose opinion he valued, who he feels can develop the roster that's currently there and can keep the Pelicans on the vision that he has. I also think that there's some sensible connections between Van Gundy's past and what he could do with his main players on the roster in New Orleans, which of course we know is Zion Williamson. Now, as we know, a 
little over a decade ago, Van Gundy obviously had another young mar physical marvel as a franchise cornerstone in Dwight Howard, and he got their magic all the way to the finals. Now, they wound up losing in the finals, but I think that if you, in a general sense, were to look at the makeup of a young Zion Williamson, there are some ways he's similar to um, Dwight Howard. They're both very efficient, highly effective scorers at the rim. They are absolute uh, athletic marvels. They are guys who can just make such a difference with such a big body size. It's amazing how athletic that they are. They have so much potential offensively and, and, and you know, basically imposing their will at the rim with very good defensive potential. You know, if I, I, Dwight Howard was a historic NBA defender. I don't necessarily know if Zion has that type of impact on defense, but he certainly has, you know, potential all-NBA level defense, and with his ability to rove around with his athleticism, can really elevate the defense of the Pelicans. So I think there's some comparisons in the success that um, uh, Van Gundy had in Orlando with Howard. I think you could find some parallels at him being able to potentially bring that type of impact on to the early career, the early part of Zion's career. And that's another thing where I think that Zion and Dwight Howard could potentially impact. You know, they're probably going to be their most effective. You could see where they could be their most effective in their mid to early 20s when they truly have their body at its peak form. But as they get into their late 20s and 30s, their body may be able, their, their body may start to break down a bit, be a bit more limited. So the nuances and the fundamentals are going to be more what they rely on instead of just their physical ability and instincts. So basically what I'm getting at is, is that if the Pelicans feel that their best chance of becoming a contender truly is maximized by what Zion can do in his early 20s, I think Van Gundy's track record really helps that out. I also think that whenever wherever Van Gundy has gone, he has elevated the defense. You saw what he did in Orlando with Dwight Howard as, 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 as the cornerstone. You saw what he did in Detroit, though he wasn't ever a contender. He did improve their defense with not that great of defense of talent there, I think that he's the type of guy that could really help the, the Pelicans add defensive value. That's a need that they have. You may have thought that another coach who's been recycled through the NBA system like Van Gundy and Mike D'Antoni may have made sense for the Pelicans because their strengths are scoring, scoring fast, and also of uh, paint productions. That's stuff that D'Antoni can help to really help, you know, maximize, you know, about a team. But they also know that in the playoffs now, shooting and defense is going to be a big asset, and that's two areas where the Pelicans certainly, you know, need to add to in order to strengthen, much like the Grizzlies. So I think the Pelicans belt Van Gundy could help those areas of need grow better more than a coach like D'Antoni could. So I think that there's there's a few different reasons as to why Van Gundy makes sense. You know, his the, the, the track record that he's had with leading a young franchise cornerstone that had similar characteristics to Zion, you know, really helping that type of setup reach its ceiling. He's going to implement Griffin's vision. I think he can help the defense. I also think that if for some reason it doesn't work out under Van Gundy, though I do think he can create a contender in New Orleans, he could be someone who could turn into a placeholder that could bring in the next coach for New Orleans, kind of as a coach in waiting, and then hand the reins off to him. So I just think that there's several, you know, options that, you know, you feel comfortable with how it could potentially work out. I think there are several different directions the organization could go under Van Gundy, which makes 
makes him a sensible hire. But basically what this now means is that the Pelicans now have their coach in place. In Houston, they're still looking for a coach. Obviously, the name that has been popped up quite a bit is Stan Van Gundy's brother, Jeff Van Gundy. Of course, Daryl Morey is gone. You know, he's no longer the decision maker in finding that head coach. You really don't know what route they're going to go. They may go with an up-and-comer like a, like a Saul Silas or somebody such as that. But there are different directions that the, that the um, Rockets could go. And you're still kind of figuring out what they're going to do with their offseason with Harden and Westbrook. The general thing that I will say is this, is that for a division that had Mike D'Antoni and Rick Carlisle and Greg Popovich and Alvin Gentry over the past several seasons that was pretty stable when it came to their coaches, you all of a sudden have a division that's in transition. And, and, you know, in all honesty, the Grizzlies now, besides Dallas, may have the most stability at their head coaching position with Taylor Jenkins because you still don't know what's going to happen in Houston. And eventually, over the next year or two, more than likely, you're going to see San Antonio transition to the post-Popovich era. So still really interesting to see what's going on. I think that the Pelicans made a decent decision in hiring Stan Van Gundy, but that's going to continue to be something to watch out for. Besides Dallas, how do these different coaching situations really impact the near and long-term futures of Houston and New Orleans and San Antonio, and what could it mean as far as these the competitive timeline of these teams? I think it will be inter- really interesting interesting uh, to find out. Uh, One thing I can also tell you that's very interesting is that whenever you have car needs, I can't tell you how to repair your car, but it's very interesting to know that there is a place that not only can you find the car parts that you need, but have the ease in getting those in quick time to get your car repaired, and that's rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is amazing because of how quick and easy it is. You can go to the site, click a few buttons, and and you're able to find what you need, and it's likely you're going to find it because it has a wide variety of car parts from many different makes and models. No matter if you do your own repairs, you do repairs for others, or you need someone to do the repairs, you're likely going to be able to, you're going to be able to use RockAuto.com as a source. And a big reason why is because of how cost-effective it is. This is a family-owned business. They know that car parts typically can fall out of budget, so they try to make things you know as cost-effective as possible. If you visit RockAuto.com, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low price all the car parts that you will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of speaking with a few of the uh, uh, well-known names that uh, covered the Grizzlies from various sources. I myself gave my opinions in a series that we called Brainstorming the Basketball. We talked about the unit as a whole, just some different ways in which it can improve, some different ideas of what the Grizzlies might be able to do to look into adding to it or improving to it, improving it You know, this offseason, um, and also some specific ways in which the individual players might be able to improve their games as we go forward. But of course, the number one storyline for the Grizzlies when it comes to an individual player on the roster this year. It truly seems to be what is going to happen with DeAnthony Melton in restricted free agency. I've alluded to some different thoughts in regards to Melton, but on tomorrow's episode, on Friday, I'm going to really dig deep into a lot of different perspectives that may play into Melton. How does he benefit this Grizzlies roster? What could he become and how much faith is there that he truly could become significantly more than what he is? And depending on the scenarios that he we could see, you know, unravel in free agent in his restricted free agency, what direction should the Grizzlies ultimately take with him? I'll dive into all of that in tomorrow's episode. But We've also talked about, as I mentioned in the first segment, you know, I mentioned before that, you know, the three main ways now that you see 
teams really be able to have success and build. We and we saw all three of them on display through the Heat and the Nuggets and the Celtics and the Clippers and the and the Lakers. All those teams that were there, you know, in the final or, or you know close to the finals as contenders this year, they've built their teams up in different ways through free agencies, through the draft, and through trades. Now I've talked about with the Grizzlies that a big piece that has led to a lot of success for them in the history of their franchise has been trades. Well, we obviously saw that on display, and the, the trades have been a big reason as to why the Grizzlies have been able to get together all this talent that's currently on their roster right now with clear intent of building a um, core they feel will move forward in the future as a sustainable winner and potential contender. And you see the faith that they have in it for, through the investments that have been made. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, I, just in general because of outside questions that still need to be answered, the fact that they had such an active summer last year and the likelihood that they want to be active next year as well, which the league will want to be as a whole when it's a big free agency year, you know, in 2021, I don't think that the Grizzlies are going to be as active, anywhere near as active, this offseason. I think that's a general theme basically through the entire NBA, you know, as we're trying to figure out what's going to happen to the salary cap, what's going to be, you know, when the season's going to happen and things such as that. And also just in general, because there's not as many attractive free agents and the fallout from those free agent signings this year as there was last year or will be next year. But with that in mind, I did want to take a second and talk about what potential scenarios could unfold for the different players on the Grizzlies roster. If they were to be used as a trade ship, in what ways could they be used? What's the likelihood of them being used as a trade ship? So on and so forth. Now, if you follow me on Twitter for a while, you've heard a few other people reference it on Twitter every now and then. I'm over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm, I'm kind of known as the guy who would trade anybody, and it's true. I, I do feel that you know when it comes to this Grizzlies roster, a lot of the pieces that are in place right now are more valuable as potential trade chips when the future comes along as they are being a part of the Grizzlies' future. That's nothing against these players. It's definitely not going against the idea of continuing to see what they can do. You don't just trade them to trade them. But I do think that in the right situations, nobody is untouchable except for two players. And that's John Morant and that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Also, I do feel that at this point in time, you probably want to include Brandon Clark in that just because of how effective he was off the bench and the potential that he has to play alongside Jaron and along with Jaw. So the idea of bringing up this, you know, what could each of these players, you know, realistically be used as a trade chip for, I think we also need to be realistic and, you know, that not everybody is, you know, touchable. I think Jaw Morant, He's not going anywhere, obviously. Jaron Jackson Jr., I know that there was a recent article on ESPN that didn't include him as an untouchable. He pretty much is. You're With the Grizzlies drafting him as high as he did and with the development and time and investment they put in him, he's an untouchable. He's not going anywhere. And I do think that Brandon Clark, though I will include him in this you know, conversation, I think that he's pretty much untouchable as well. But besides them, let, let's look you know, at what the Grizzlies could do with each of their players. Now, one other player who I think it, you know... It, not necessarily that he's untouchable, but just a situation surrounding him makes him very unlikely to be traded, and that's Justice Winslow. You know, obviously the Grizzlies put a lot, um, you know, they invested, you know, a few of their, you know, pretty um, attractive trade ships and Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder in acquiring Winslow, whom they have on contract next year in a team option after that. I think the Grizzlies showed that they preferred to go after Winslow. I think that them targeting Winslow 
They also considered potential targets like maybe a Buddy Heald or something like that that they could have gone after during this offseason. They instead decided Winslow was the best bet for them to go to for the foreseeable future. So I think that with what they, with how much they invested in going after Winslow, I don't think Winslow's likely to be traded. So I think that, you know, he is someone we won't spend much time on. But others that, you know, could be considered, you know, I think you can start in the backcourt. And, and you know, that begins with Dylan Brooks. Now, Dylan Brooks, as we all know, as a starter, probably is stretched a bit thin. You know, he, he he's very high, very low. When he's on, the Grizzlies can really play with anybody. If he's off, he's a big detriment to their ability to be able to play with some of the best teams in the NBA. He likely also is best as a potential sixth man if the Grizzlies were to make a big trade or if they were to make a very attractive draft pick for a potential starting two guard. But with Brooks's contract, as I mentioned before, there's some flexibility, you know, if he just winds up not fitting after another year in which there's more questions than answers, he could become someone that's traded. And if they were to want to use him as a trade piece this offseason, I think that he's most likely used as a piece that would be the young intriguing player role in a move to land a a very a significant shooting guard talent that the Grizzlies just did not want to pass up the opportunity to add. Like, for instance, if they find something in Victor Oladipo's game, or if Zach Levine becomes available, or if they want to go after a Buddy Heald or someone along those lines, who they think that if they added them to this core, he truly be, could become a star-level player, I think that the long-term security with you that you get with Brooks, what he's shown so far, and the fact that he can, still can grow as a player, I think that's how Brooks could be used in a trade scenario as the young intriguing piece along with the draft pick that could lead to the acquisition of another player that the Grizzlies feel they could turn into a start over player under their system. Now, I don't think that's likely. I don't think that the Grizzlies really want to do that for someone that already is under contract long term that will get in their way of, you know, having some flexibility for next offseason. And I also don't think that they want to sit there and bet on someone on a one-year contract like Anola Depot versus just letting the situation with Brooks and the rest of the guards really play out. So with Brooks, I think eventually that's how he would be used in a trade, you know, as that, you know, intriguing young option that's controllable as part of a package to get a player with a higher ceiling. I think if he's traded, you know, over the next, you know, 18 months, for instance, that's probably how he's used. With with um, Tyus um, Jones, I don't think there's a law likelihood of him being traded. As I mentioned on several occasions, the stability, the consistency, and, and just the overall productivity that he brings as the point guard for the Grizzlies bench unit, which they sorely need as a strong unit and as an advantage to support their growing, uh, the, 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 to support the starting lineup as it emerges. I don't really see him being someone that the Grizzlies trade. I think they like the idea of keeping him around as the backup point guard to really be the option that can keep the motor going if John Morant's off the court. However, as I mentioned, in the Peyton Pritchard prospect profile situation, you know, could you theoretically see a situation where a contender may be willing to pay an attractive trade package to have Tyus Jones as a point guard option for next season at, you know, from the trade deadline through the, the playoff run in 2021 and then under contract to do the same thing in 2021 and 2022? Yes. And I don't think that his talent makes him untouchable to where the Grizzlies would, 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 would you know, ignore the opportunity to get significant future assets for them. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I don't know if people would trade if a team would trade significant future assets, but the possibility is there. I don't think it I think it's more likely than not that Tyus Jones stays with the Grizzlies throughout the remainder of his contract because because of what he brings to the team. But I do think a situation could unfold where he could make sense to trade, especially if a contender really could use a point guard presence.
Another name to discuss is, of course, Grayson Allen. Now, like Dylan Brooks, I think Allen emerges as that young, intriguing prospect that you can include in a trade with a pick and maybe a money and maybe you know a money matching player like a Kyle Anderson or a Gorgie Dang to acquire an asset. He, he basically what it could come down to this season is that if the Grizzlies just find a, a trade offer out there in a potential starting guard that they feel could grow with Morant for the foreseeable future, you kind of have your pick between two years of control over Grayson Allen or three years of control over Dylan Brooks. And I think he fits that mold. I think he fits the mold as the intriguing prospect who you could include in a trade package to bring in a more significant talent that could be the starting talent for the Grizzlies. And then you move Dylan into the six-man role. That's how I feel Grayson Allen probably could be used. DeAnthony Melton, Obviously, you're kind of limited on what you could do as far as trading him. I think that the option to trade him, which I'll get into tomorrow, is certainly in play for the Grizzlies through a sign-and-trade opportunity with restricted free agency. I think that if he is gone, if he leaves, that could lead to a bigger likelihood the Grizzlies do potentially make a trade for the backcourt this season. But I'll get more into Melton tomorrow, obviously, when he break, we break down his situation. When it comes to uh, Marco Goderich, not much there. You may include him and and a future second round pick for a really intriguing prospect that you like, kind of like the Grizzlies did when they traded for DeAnthony Mountain last year. Maybe they find a legit shooting talent that just does not have a place on his current team's roster. They use um, Gadurich as, um, you know, the money matching aspect, and they throw in a second round pick or two to bring that talent in. That could be, if you want to upgrade the end of the bitch from Gadurich to that talent, I think that's how you use Marco Gadurich in a trade. We've talked about the backcourt. What we're going to do is we're going to get into the front court where I think that your options become a little bit more, you know, a little bit more complex, but also a little bit more realistic and a little bit more creative. I think that in the front court, you're more likely to see action with some pieces there than you are in the back court. We'll explore the front court here in just a second. While we're on the subject of trades, I'll tell you one thing that it's hard for me to trade and that it's hard for me to trade taste for something that offers a health benefit that just has no taste. You know, I wish that there was something out there that could provide both taste and a benefit to my daily health that I could make a part of my daily routine. Well, thankfully, I think I found a solution, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that literally tastes like a candy bar. Typically, you got to have one or the other, but with Built Bar, that's not the case. And it's such a versatile, you know, addition to your day. Have it for breakfast, before or after a workout, maybe as an afternoon snack, listening to your favorite Locked On Podcast Network show. It can fit into any podcast part of your day. And the great thing about it is it's got an assortment of different tastes you can look forward to. Um, I know I like the peanut butter, but if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can actually choose from any flavor that they've got. I'm sure you're going to find one that you like. The other great thing about BuiltBar is that if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and you put on the promo code, put in the promo code locked on, you get $10 off your next order of Built Bar. That's $10 off your next order of Built Bar using the promo code locked on. I can tell you this with confidence though. If you add Built Bar to your day, it's going to be there to stay. Go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code locked on and get $10 off your next order from Built Bar. So we're talking about different ideas when it comes to trades. Not sitting here trying to, you know, put your pitchforks away if you've got them out. I'm not wanting to trade the whole Grizzlies roster. It's just with this scenario of a roster in which you really only have 
in my opinion, two true untouchables in Jaw and Jaren, you know, what's realistic outcomes for trades either this offseason or maybe in the near future for a lot of these other assets on the Grizzlies, for them to capitalize off the good play of a lot of their players before they just simply leave in free agency without offering, you know, a, a real chance to add value. Well, like I said, I think that another player you put more in the untouchable range right now than you do in, you know, hey, it can make sense to trade him range is Brandon Clark. Now, Brandon Clark, I, I would not trade him. You know, I know that there are a lot of people who, you know, say that he's 24. He's probably close to his ceiling. You know, as a bench reserve, it's great to have that. But if you could use him to land a true difference-making addition to the starting roster, you know, you do it. And I agree to an extent. But I don't think that you do that right now building off of his rookie season. I think that you keep him in tow, especially with the bargain that he is right now on his contract, and see what he does this season. See if he potentially takes a step to becoming more. Plus, I don't think that the type of talent that you go after with Brandon Clark is the main piece. I don't think that right now is the time because getting on that, because acquiring that type of talent really still doesn't put you in the contender atmosphere. You know, what do I mean specifically? What I mean by that is, is that when you throw names out like Buddy Heal, Victor Oladipo, Zach Levine, players such as that, I don't think you part ways with um, Brandon Clark. I know the other teams would like that, but you don't part ways with Brandon Clark to get those type of players. Now, if you want to talk in the level of a Bradley Bill or a Devin Booker or Donovan um, uh, Mitchell, then yeah, you probably do trade Brandon Clark. But I don't think that right now is the time to do it. I think Clark potentially becomes a trade piece if it just makes sense. And just a perfect scenario where it clearly makes sense that you're going to be adding long and controllable value. That's a big thing. If you're going to trade Brandon Clark, it needs to be for a piece that you truly can control for multiple years. I think you do it after next year when you've got a better idea of what this team needs, you get a better idea of what Brandon Clark is, and you move forward. So Brandon Clark being a, a trade asset is, you know, it's purely speculative. At this point, it's not the right time to trade him, and there's no reason to. However, another part of the trio that's clearly entrenched is the Grizzlies' main front court options, I do think makes sense. And that's Jonas Valanciunas. Now, Jonas Valanciunas adds tremendous value to the Grizzlies. As a partner with Jaron um, in the in, in the uh, front court, the Grizzlies players love him. He's the big brother type role. He's that, you know, tone setter, gives them that edge type role. That's very valuable. He's here for two more years and he adds tremendous value when he's on the court. But is he a long-term piece for really when the Grizzlies get into their contention window? Will he be here and be effective? I think that's in doubt. So I do think that it makes sense for the Grizzlies to keep their eyes open for if they could land the potential to get a truly attractive and valuable asset for the future that they could turn into a controllable asset to add to the Grizzlies when they're further down the competitive line, timeline in exchange for Valanciunas. Now, I think you're open to it. I don't think it's likely to happen, and I don't think you move Valen. I don't think the Grizzlies are looking to move Valanciunas. But I do think that if you can get a if you can get a lot of certainty that you could add a valuable, controllable piece in an area that's likely going to re remain valuable, you know, like as a, as a wing or as, as a shooting guard that could remain valuable in the playoffs, you know, when the Grizzlies are going to be more consistent in making the playoffs. If you can get that type of asset for Valanciunas now, I think you make the move. Again, I don't think it's likely to happen, and I'm not looking to trade Valanciunas because of what he means to this team, but I do think especially next offseason, Valanciunas could become a trade piece as an expiring contract, and also, since he's still in his prime, as a big four teams that may want to contend. I think that there is a decent chance Valanciunas could be moved next offseason. 
now we're, you know, we've already discussed Justice Winslow. You know, uh, when, when it comes to, you know, players like Josh Jackson and Anthony Tolliver, obviously they are both free agents, so I don't really consider them as part of the conversation. But now you get into the two pieces on the Grizzlies roster that I do think makes sense as far as them being pieces that could be traded. And that is Kyle Anderson and Gorgie Dang. First, we'll go with Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson is signed for basically two years and $17 million more million you know, over the next two years. He is a hard fit to make work in the NBA right now. He's a very good facilitator. He's a very underrated defender. But with his lack of, the, lack of athleticism and just general overall lack of shooting, it's hard to make him fit for that type of commitment. However, I do think that the Grizzlies could make the right move with him. For instance, if they want to do a, a, a contract swap, maybe with a contender, I think there are teams out there, maybe like a Utah, maybe like a Houston, maybe like the Nets, for instance. I think that he could, in a situation where... It's a contender with clear talent for shooting. You know, um, Kyle Anderson could add defensive value and be there as a, as a, as a you know, secondary playmaker that could elevate the play on both sides for a contender. I think he has a track. I think he is an attractive person in that sense. I think that the Grizzlies probably are looking at him more as a trade asset. I don't necessarily think they look at him as a valuable trade asset. He could be used as a money-matching option in the right deal, but I do think that they're also kind of looking at, okay, for a team that may just have an overabundance of shooters and needs improvement on defense, could we find a, a right contract to trade um, you know, um, Anderson for to land a guy who could be part of our rotation maybe over the next few years or so. They do have some trade exceptions that could be added as well to add to their flexibility. So I don't think that Kyle Anderson necessarily is someone that you trade and you get assets for. I don't think Kyle Anderson is such a bad contract that you try to trade and you got to add, add assets to. I just think that the Grizzlies may be open to moving him to a situation that could, you know, value his, his, the, the strengths of his game more than the Grizzlies have shown that they do. Um, at the end of the day, I put him being dealt probably at like 40-60. I think there's a good chance Kyle Anderson still could remain with the Grizzlies until next offseason when he himself also becomes an expiring contract. But I do think that, you know, he could add value to a contender. And with the fact he will eventually be an expiring contract, you know, at the end of the, you know, into the 21-2022 season, I think that there is, you know, some value in, in, in folks looking to trade for him. I just don't know how likely it is. And if it is a trade, I don't think it's going to be anything significant. You're either going to get another player on a multi-year contract who has his own clear flaws that the Grizzlies may just feel they can work out better than they can Anderson, or you're going to use him in some type of a money move to match salary in a bigger deal in which the Grizzlies may, you know, get a marginal asset or so. The other big piece that, you know, could be traded that you could see as being on his way out because kind of the way he moved down the depth chart after being acquired at the trade deadline is Gorgie Dang. Now, I think Gorgie Dang probably has a little bit more added um, attractiveness to him this offseason because, one, he is an expiring $17 million contract. Two, he still is a versatile backup big who could help out a lot of teams like a Golden State, like a Sacramento. You know, they could trade for him in the right deal. And three, I also think that he is the type of um, player who you could add, who could add value to what you're trying to do in twenty in the twenty. 2020-2021 season, but a big thing for him is is that if a you know a contender were to acquire him and, and use him for their run this year, he he comes off the books and he's that adds to their ability to add a bigger star going into the 2021 um, 
a season. Now, for that same reason, he's attracted to the Grizzlies. You know, he he's an expiring contract. He comes off the books. That's money that's open there for the Grizzlies to be able to use next summer as well. But if the Grizzlies could, you know, use him to get an attractive asset, I think they move on it in a heartbeat due to the fact that you probably can find a favorable skill set that Taylor, for Taylor Jenkins' system at a much cheaper price than what you're paying Gorgie. Now, I think that the uncertainty with what's going around with COVID, and I think that just in general, many teams out they're also wanting to remain financially flexible as much as they can going into the season. I don't know what the likelihood is. I don't know if the likelihood this year is as much as it would be in most years to move a contract like Gorgie Dang's as an expiring contract, but I certainly think that he could be that. The other way that Gorgie Dang could be used is that, for instance, if the Grizzlies just feel it makes sense to go after a Buddy Heald or a higher paid guy who they've got over multiple years, then Gorgie Dang becomes your main way of, you know, making money match to where you don't have to give up as much assets or or to make the deal happen because you don't have as much cap space. So there is some versatility in what you could use Gorgie Dang to do, but I think that him and Kyle Anderson are truly the best trade assets for the Grizzlies, and I think if they're traded before the draft, that could impact what the Grizzlies do in this draft as well. Maybe they find, if they get extra assets, maybe they find someone later in the first round that they want to move up to get. I think that if they trade before the draft of an Anderson or, you know, for instance, a, a Dang or someone along those lines, I think if the Grizzlies want to do that type of deal, they may do it beforehand so that they have assets to work with in this draft. As I mentioned, tomorrow we are going to get into detail about DeAnthony Melton, really looking at his, his situation from all perspectives to determine what ultimately is the best route to go when it comes to his future or lack thereof a future in Memphis. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC, the show where all podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Can't thank you enough. We will be back with you to wrap up the week, the week tomorrow, but until then, hope you have a great day, and thank you for listening to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.